0: Hey baddies, welcome to the It Chapter 2 podcast. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, welcome to Bad Witch, the podcast where we are gonna get our witch shit together one spell at a time. I um, obviously haven't seen the movie yet because I've told y'all before, I don't go to movie theaters, but I have a really long flight coming up next month, so I'm hoping I can watch it then and still get it in for Halloween. But uh, go see it, go support my my clown king, Bill (laughs) Skarsgård. (laughs) And you know, it's a really good movie to get into that spooky mood while we're easing into our fall, right? Which speaking of, I woke up yesterday and mind you, 100 degree heat. I mean, like not personally inside of my home, but it was 100 degrees outside and everything in my body, in my witch spirit was telling me I have to cook chicken noodle soup today. I like got very obsessive about it. (laughs) I guess that's just a craving. But I got very obsessive about it and really like got into the minutia of like chopping all the vegetables and simmering everything down and baking the chicken and seasoning it and chopping it all up. And I made this huge pot of chicken noodle soup. I think like come hell or high water and by hell, I mean the hell of it being so hot outside. I am going to make it fall (laughs) even if it isn't officially fall yet, even if it is 100 degrees. I am so obsessed with it being fall. Like I want cozy witch autumn right now. So yeah, it's like I'm going through um like muscle memory at this point. I'm like, okay, it's mid, it's not even mid September yet, but we're it's almost mid September, which is almost the end of September, which is basically October 1st, which is basically Halloween, right? So my body is like kicking in gear and it wants apple cider and it wants chicken noodle soup and it wants hot cocoa and it wants Pumpkin spice lattes, even though I can't drink coffee, I need to find some kind of alternative. Are there pumpkin spice tea lattes? Let your witch know because um, I'm very allergic to coffee, but also like a little tempted to see if the allergy's still there or not. Don't, don't do that. Don't play that game at home. It's one I will, every so often I'm like, what if I just take like one sip of coffee? What's the worst that can happen? um, the worst, <laughs> the worst that can happen is the worst possibly outcome, which is that I get extremely sick, which speaking of, so I made this huge vat of chicken noodle soup and I was like, oh, let me call my grandma and I will go bring her some. My grandma is 92 years old. She is iconic. She is a legend. Um, she is very talkative <laughs> and very intelligent still. And so I feel so lucky and blessed to have my grandma that's still with me and also that she's 92 and she's so with it. It's crazy. So anyway, I brought her the soup yesterday and we started talking about everything, travel and all this stuff. And then we eventually came around to what I am going to deem country witchcraft. (laughs) Now, as i said before, um, even though I consider myself a hereditary witch because it is something that has definitely been in my bloodline, no one in my family will say they're a witch except for me. So I'm mostly like, I mean, they're, I know they're witches. They do witchy things, which I'm about to tell you because of all the things that she shared with me. But then they'll be like, oh no, I mean, it's fine. Just just say you're Catholic. We know how that kind of lines up at times. But she and I start talking about all of these remedies and I guess remedies would be the right word remedies, medicines, kind of that my great grandparents and great grandfolk would use in the country of Louisiana, which is why I'm calling it country witchcraft, <laughs> you know, in lieu of going to the doctor because the doctor was not something that was readily accessible when you were out in the country in the 18 and 1900s. And, you know, even really down to like my mom's generation, I, it, you know, going to the doctor became more streamlined and easier and more of a common thing to do in my generation. I mean, I go to the doctor, probably too much. They're they're tired of seeing me. <laughs> but this is what people had, you know, and I just love it so much. And I was truly cackling while she was telling me because it's so Green Witch. <laughs> I just want them to admit their witch is so bad. It's so Green Witch. It is so of the earth. It is so ritualistic in a way and so driven by nature and so a component of dealing with like the elements. So, okay, here we go. These are, I have um, one, two, three, four, five. I have five things that I'm going to share. And again, let me disclaim this. I know I disclaim, I've disclaimed this a lot recently. We've been talking about oils and um, cleansings and everything, like in the last episode. This does not replace going to the doctor. We very much love modern medicine around here. Go to the doctor, get your checkup, get your shots, take care of yourself. Don't be like, well, Mickey said that if I, you know, put this on that, I'll be cured. No, no, no. <laughs> but... Something that is really cool in the way that my grandma was explaining it is that she would tell me what the country witchcraft remedy is, and then she would tell me like the modern equivalent was it or is for it. So I will do that as well. Okay, so number one. So this one I have actually had done to me. My grandma, if I was staying at her house when I was a kid and I was sick, um, this is what she would do. I don't remember if it worked, but I mean... It's witchcraft, so I'm assuming it did, <laughs> but that is taking a palm leaf to draw out the fever. So what they would do is my grandma, great-grandma's aunties, all of them would go out into the backyard, cut a palm leaf. Um, I asked my mom last night, I got a little, you know, I kind of went back and I was like, well, she said this and this and this just to blush it out. And I asked her if it had to be a palm plant and she says, yes, it has to be a palm plant. So, you know, mama Donna has spoken. Because my grandma said something about perhaps using a rubber plant, but no, no, no. Mama Donna got me right. So you go out, you cut the palm leaf, you bring it back inside to the feverish person, lay it on their forehead, and the palm leaf is going to draw the fever out of them. And you'll know that it's done when the palm leaf has crinkled from the heat that it's absorbed. So kind of like how we talked about last week with the egg cleanse and that the egg is working as a sponge or a vacuum and it's just absorbing everything that needs to be absorbed, the palm leaf is supposed to do that. You put it on the head, it's supposed to suck out that fever. And when it's all crinkled up, that is how, you know, that is a telltale sign. So I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think the next time I have a fever, I am going to try it and see what happens. Because I, I'm not one to get, well, that's not true. I'm going to say I'm not one to get sick very often. I get sick a lot, but I'm not one to get like feverish very often. So I just can't remember when I did it as a kid, what happened, you know, also because I was a sick kid and I was probably like, what's going on? But Yeah, I'm going to try it and just have some Aleve on hand just in case. I need another fever reducer, but I'm very interested to see it because the way my grandma and my mom spoke about it, they were like, oh yeah, you just, you know, get the palm, put it on the head, bing, bam, done. Okay, so the next one is one that I also remember hearing talk of. I never had it done to me, I don't think, but it's something that I definitely remember, especially when my great-grandparents were alive. They would... You know, you would just hear things as a kid and they think you're not listening, but you're picking everything up. And even when they would switch to Creole, I'd be like, I know what they're saying. <laughs> I am a sixth sense about this, which I do because, you know, I'm a witch. I know what's going on. I can feel the vibes of the situation. But this one is, let me read my notes so I can say it exactly right. Salt pork on the foot. So this is specifically, I'm going to talk about other kinds of abrasions and wounds in a second, but this was specifically for if you injured the foot. Um, you would take a piece of salt pork, which is exactly what it sounds like. It is pork that has been cured in salt and you would place it on the wound in the foot. And my grandmother said that you would bind it with leaves. And I was like, how do you bind something with leaves? But I guess because they have like sugarcane uh, plants out in the country and the leaves are kind of long and they're very stalk-like. So you could kind of manipulate them and bend them and tie them. And The salt and the meat would, listen, I don't know the exact processes, right? Because I'm getting this from my 92-year-old grandma, and this is country witchcraft. Again, no one wrote anything down. But it was something about how the salt would kind of get in the wound, clear it out, you know, kind of clean it, and it would start to help it heal and close up. Which, if you think about it, you know, you always hear about people say, like, if you ever get a black eye, you're supposed to put tender eyes. Is it? meat I might be making that part up, but you're supposed to take red meat and put it on and it helps the swelling go down and it helps the color not to come through so severely. Cause I mean, I've had a black eye before when I was in a, that car accident I talk about. And I mean, it was every gradient from blue to green, to purple, to black truly. And I wish I would have thought about doing that, but you know, trauma. So I, it just didn't come to me, but you know, we have that in modern, <laughs> modern times as I'm talking about like the middle ages. It was just like two, two within the last 200 years. But uh, yeah, just like we say, put the red meat on the eye and that helps. It was the same thing with the foot. You would put the salt pork on the foot, bind it, and it would start to work with it. So when I asked my mom about it, when she was clarifying things for me, she said that my grandmother's youngest brother, who we called Junior, he had, he was doing work outside, you know, as everyone did back then. And it was agricultural. And he somehow fell down a shaft and a nail went into his foot, and so the old man that he was working with, they said, "No, go and get salt pork right now." And they brought it to him. They placed it into the wounds. I mean, you're not like packing the wound but you know, obviously, it's going to brush up against and go into a certain extent because the meat is flexible. And she said that my grandmother said that Junior said it was the worst pain he's ever had in his life. Like he was truly screaming. But they put it on, they bound him and then it healed and there was no infection, which is what you're really trying to work against, especially in that time, because infection could be the difference between living and dying. I mean, even now infections can be so incredibly dangerous and they can travel so quickly and you know, they can really take people out. And so that something in that meat, that raw meat and that salt, it was in there and it was purifying and it was cleaning and it, it held on like a... I wanted to, I asked her if it was like a suture, like, you know, kind of was closing the wound up. And she said, not really like a suture, but it just helped it to stay clean and to heal really quickly. And so he had no infection and, you know, that's what they were hoping for. So salt pork on the wounds You know, and actually when I was a kid, I, sorry, this is, <laughs> sorry if you're squeamish about medical stuff, by the way. Uh, sorry. another Here's a trigger warning because I'm going to talk about the foot and a wound again, even though I've already talked about it. Um, when I was a kid, I stepped on a toothpick went into my foot. I, to this day, I don't know. I was just bouncing around, and a toothpick jammed into my foot. I had to go to the hospital and get it taken out. Um, but you know, if it would have been in Rougon, Louisiana, <laughs> in the late 1800s, they would have just salt porked me up, and we would have, you know, just hoped for the best. And I think I really would have been okay. Um, but again, that is the difference between modern medicine, where they took me to the hospital and They cleaned me up with antiseptic and they put me on antibiotics so no infection would come. Well, they didn't have all those options. So salt pork on the foot, a true oldie, but a goodie. Um, Which one do I want to do? now? I'm going to put this one in the middle because I was literally howling when she told me this. I thought it was so funny, especially because I misunderstood her at first. And then we'll go to one that's a little more normal and calm, and then I'll end on the one that I think is the absolute coolest. So the next one is if you have a baby that is constipated. You use parsley to um, get rid of the constipation and to help them be able to go to the bathroom again. So this is what I thought she was telling me. <laughs> I thought she said you took a piece of parsley because it's very thin and you know, it's, it's really soft. I thought she was ta- saying take the leaves off of the stem and just put it in the baby's mouth like kind of oh, I don't want to, I don't want to say that because it's so gross. I was thinking of you know, when people, it's called dipping, where they take the tobacco and they put it in their, between their lip and their gum. Hi, I'm from the South. Have I mentioned that? So I thought she meant, it like, you would just kind of place it in the baby's gum. And, you know, it would, like, release some oil and just, like, gently uh, let their system start to work again. No, no, no. I totally misunderstand it. So when I was going, I was at her house and I was taking notes, you know, writing everything down. I said, oh, mama, so you take the parsley and you like, you know, put it in the baby's cheek or you like let them chew on a little bit or add it to the bottle. And she was like, no, you have to insert it in their bottom. And I was like, what? (laughs) And that's what she was trying to tell me. She was trying to say, you know, you kind of you take the leaves off, you clean it. And then it's like a suppository. And I just wasn't, it wasn't lining up what she was saying to me. (laughs) When I talked to my mom, I was like, mom, My mom said that you use it like like a suppository. She was like, oh, yeah, you know, it just, like, there's oil there, and it kind of just stimulates the tummy and allows them to go to the bathroom. And, you know, it's kind of like our modern enema, and that's what my grandma said. It's like a modern enema, but it is something that has to be placed, if you will. So I was screaming. I totally misunderstood what she was saying to me. But that, again, is some country witchcraft for you. That is what they were doing, you know, back in the day didn't have um, enemas or um, you know any kind of Miralax or anything to kind of get everything flowing and that's what they found would work if you were having issues with constipation and I guess especially in babies because the parsley is so um, it's so tiny and it's so gentle that it wasn't something that would cause pain but <laughs> just burst out laughing because I totally misunderstood so again, not recommending that you try that at home. Um, it's definitely something that was an old school practice, and I'm not a mom, so I'm not going to tell you the best way to deal with your kids' tummy issues or anything else because I certainly don't know. I don't have the experience, even though I am a I'm a pretty good auntie and godmother, I think. But I, when there is tummy trouble, I'm like, oh, your your baby's having tummy trouble. Here you go. <laughs> that's enough for me today. Um, but yeah, that's what they did, and I, you know, I also think. Wasn't that how temperature used to be taken for, for little babies? Like in the bottom, they would use the thermometer. I think so. I think so. I I'm going to go back and look it up after I'm done recording, but I'm pretty sure. So, you know, just different time periods and different remedies. But now I think they take children's temperatures. Again, I'm not a mom. I've never been to the doctor with a child, but I think with babies and children, they still take, they take them orally now. I know when I was a kid, I don't know if this is a witch kid thing, maybe just a weird kid thing, but let me know if you relate. I used to be obsessed with the thermometer and getting my temperature taken. I used to ask my mom to do it all the time. And this was like old school before they had the digital ones, uh, which now it's not as fun. I don't, also I'm an adult, so I probably just, it's not a quirk I grew out of. But when we had the glass one where the red line would actually like fill up to your temperature, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I used to make my mom take my temperature all the time. <laughs> but again, that was always, always, always orally So, uh, yeah, you know, we've come into modern times and we have modern medicine and modern practices to give your babies some tummy relief. So you don't have to go with the parsley. Probably not the best bet now. Anyway, so next, my um, uncle, my mom's youngest, uh, second youngest brother, had asthma as a child and a lot of breathing issues. And so my grandmother would take a piece of wool. It had to be pure wool. And, uh, this is something that she didn't know of. This is something again that the country cousins told her about when he started having these issues and you don't run off to the doctor. And, um, uh, my grandpa also traveled a lot for work at certain periods in his career. So my grandma was home with six kids by herself. So even if she, you know, could get to the doctor, she would have to corral the other five. It was just too much commotion as she would say. And so the country cousin let her know, take a piece of wool. It has to be pure. It can't be polyester or blend and place it on the um, windowsill behind his bed, and you cover it in caffeinated oil. Now, this is something I had never heard of. In fact, when she was saying it to me, I kept thinking she was saying, like, carbureted oil or something. So I had to go ask Mama Donna, and she said, no, no, it's caffeinated oil. And what it would do would open up the airways, and it would help him breathe. I kind of likened it to a vaporizer where it, like, opens you up and helps you breathe. But I also uh, looked it up because I was like, again, what the hell is caffeinated oil? And caffeine caffeine teas and coffees and caffeinated oil kind of function like a really popular asthma medicine that is called, hold on, I looked it up. Um, it's called theophylline and it just helps the ability to improve breathing function in people with asthma. So um, it's something that when I was looking it up, I can, I've seen that like caffeinated tea and coffee is still kind of like a modern... Uh, last case, last case, resort, last, what's that saying? Last resort. (laughs) I think it's just last resort. Um, using that and exposing someone that has asthma. So that can be like a quick last minute emergency fix before you can get them to their proper breathing treatment. But yeah, the caffeinated oil, that's how it functioned. It would open up the airways and help them breathe. And so that's what he slept with that night. And so he was able to get through the night without the coughing and the wheezing and it really, really helped him a lot. So yeah, again, uh, pure wool. And she told me she actually cut her, um, she cut the bottom of her robe and that's the wool that she used. And then she poured caffeinated oil over it. So that was the thing that helped with this asthma. Okay. Finally, this, when she told me this, unlike the parsley where I actually understood what she was saying, I still was like, wait, what? Huh? So when she was, more so a little girl, but you know, even a little bit older. And she would go to the country to visit family, and the kids would all be outside playing. And someone would fall, scrape their knee, cut themselves. However, they ended up with a wound that was bleeding. My great grandmother and/or great great is that I'm saying that right? Great great grandmother would say, Okay, go under the porch and get some spider webs and put it on the wounds. Spider webs, cobwebs. You are hearing me correctly. Yes, our, one of our favorite spooky things to put up in the house, you know, go get faux spider webs and put them all around for Halloween. That is what they would use. So again, I was like, wait, spider webs? And she was like, yeah, we would get the spider webs and we would place them on the wound and it would stop the bleeding. And again, you know, my grandma's 92, so she can't remember all the details of everything. But when I, I hooked it up with Mama Donna, this is what she told me. So the spider webs will help to coagulate the blood, coagulate, there we go. Will help to um, stop the blood, help it to clot because spider webs are really rich in vitamin K, which is a natural coag- coagulant. That's such a hard word for me. So yeah, it will help to stop the blood. Also, it could be packed in a way that it was functioning as gauze. So, so it's stopping the bleeding. It's acting as gauze and you know not allowing any of the blood to like spread. And also, it was there's something in it that like helps to with the spread of infection. So it would keep it clean. Now this is when <laughs> we're assuming that the spider webs are clean. They were again saying go and literally grab it from underneath the porch. So I don't know how clean that was, but um, it turns. I was looking into it. It turns out it's something that has been used like way back into antiquity, where people would use it for gauze and because they knew it was an anticoagulant. Is that the right word? Because they knew they could use it to coagulate. It's not an anticoagulant. How many times can I say that word in one five minutes span? Um, and they used it because it was something that could kind of keep away and drive away infection. So there you go. I, of course would recommend, I mean, I wouldn't recommend using spider webs now, unless you are out camping in a dire situation once cuts themselves on something. And remember for the foot, you need salt pork, (laughs) but it is something that has been used, you know, for thousands of years, I would say. And it's something that may be available if you ever find yourself in need. And it helps you stop bleeding at the very least, which is what we're going for. Just make sure that there's no spiders lingering on it, I would say. Uh, And, you know, thank the Earth for the contribution because the spiders work on them and it's important to them. And they are, you know, spiders and spider webs are so magical in their own capacity, which we will talk about closer to Halloween. Um, So we do need to be thankful that we were able to borrow from them something that they created that we kind of had to destroy in order to heal ourselves. But yeah, those are our five country witch remedies. Uh, Very big green witch energy, big healing witch energy. Everyone's still going to pretend like they're not a witch, but like we know what time it is, right? (laughs) If you're literally using cobwebs to heal someone, then I think we can all safely say that that is some witch shit right there. Okay. So um, let's do our Patreon shout outs and then we are going to talk about our topic for the week. I am so excited to talk about this, but I'm also really nervous. I've been putting this off forever, but we have Friday the 13th coming up this week and we have a full moon on Friday the 13th. So it is absolutely 100% time to do our episode all about the moon. She is our mom She is 100% that bitch. We love her, we honor her, and we're gonna talk all about her today. Also, I promise to not do a full rant about Friday the 13th because we have an entire episode, that is episode number 13, where we talk all about feminism and the patriarchy, (laughs) my favorite topics, and we talk about how special and sacred and goddess-related and female and divine that the number 13 is and Friday the 13th is in itself. So I won't go off too hard about that. If you want to go back, again, that is episode number 13. It is called, I should know this. It is called Lucky Number 13. Yes, I got it. So we're going to talk about that just a little bit this week, just to refresh ourselves on why Friday the 13th is so amazing and vibrant and important, especially for all this goddess energy that's going to come together with the moon and Friday the 13th. So I'm super excited about this episode. I'm also a little bit overwhelmed, but we are going to get through it. And I'm going to try really hard to make this a one part, all moon, everything episode. So let's do our Patreon shout outs and we're going to be so ready to go. So a very special extra thank you. Nope, switch those. A very extra special thank you to our Patreon baddies. You know, I appreciate it so much and you mean the world to me. So thank you to Crystal, Shannon, Maya, Aurora, Celine, Kristen, Adam, Bryn, Kara, Becca, Alicia, Nalling, Heidi, Mackenzie, Stephanie, Lena, Vanessa, Ashley, Sasha, Brandy, Taini. I still am not sure if I'm saying your name right. Please ping me if I'm not. Brett, Elizabeth, Courtney, Adele, Aaron, Carla, and Amanda. Thank you so much. Much You all are the best and you all outside of just Patreon mean the world to me. I am so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you have found the podcast and it resonates with you. And we know we're doing all this together and it is so much like this podcast. Not only is it so much fun, but it is like the absolute joy of my life. Oh, real quick, before we really get started, because once we get into the moon, there's no turning back. I taught myself illustrator this past week because there was a bunch of merch designs that I wanted to do and I am impatient and impulsive and I can't just wait for help like a normal human being. (laughs) So taught myself illustrator and so we have two really cool I think uh, new designs in the merch store which is a sweatshirt that's like collegiate style lettering that has the sun sign that you are on it. You don't have to pick that one if you are uh aquarius but in your spirit you feel like a scorpio you get whatever you want baby if that's what you want to do <laughs> and i also have some witch witch teas which i'm really excited about and i kind of did on purpose for this wednesday episode because on the front Right? No. Left-hand side, I think. I don't know. you're I'm like facing the t-shirt when I was working on it, so I can't figure out which side it is. I think it's left. It has our lunar, lunar cycle on it, all stretched out in a line like it is in the podcast logo. And then on the back, it has which witch are you. So those episodes are, are you a good witch or a bad witch, where we talked about, are you cosmic? Are you green? Are you kitchen? Are you sea? Are you elemental? Are you hereditary? All of those. So whatever witch that you are, whichever one that you identify as, or you feel more, most akin to, that is on the back of the shirt. So for me, I would get, you know, have my moon, my lunar uh cycle on the front, and on the back I would get either the sea witch shirt or um the eclectic. I can never think of that word. The eclectic witch shirt. So if you want to go check those out, the merch link is down below, and since we we're already talking about moons on our t-shirts, let's talk about the gorgeous mother goddess moon in our sky. Okay. So how does one begin to tackle talking about the moon? This is my plan. I'm going to tell you, although at some point I'll realize that I'm horribly off track and we're just going to roll with it anyway. We're going to start with talking about the triple goddess. Then we're going to go into the lunar phases. So we'll talk about what each phase is actually called And, you know, how you recognize what it looks like in the sky. Then we're going to talk about actual moon magic and what magic is um, like most potent under that phase and what kind of spells you should be focusing on. Then we're going to talk about moon water and making moon water is going to be your homework this week. So uh, don't worry, you have a couple days to get ready to do that. And then we are going to talk about this actual moon that we have coming on this Friday, the 13th. And then we will talk a little bit about Friday the 13th with that. And then we will end up with our crystal of the week, which I think you already know what it is. (laughs) We've actually already talked about it before. It's one of my very favorites, Um, but we're going to do a different color of it this week. But you totally know what it is by now, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, let's start with our triple goddess and talk all about the maiden, the mother, And my favorite, the crone. Oh, and let me say before we even get started into all the ranting and ravings about our mom. (laughs) So because we're talking about her this week and we're going to be talking about Friday the 13th as well, I just want to make sure that everyone feels included. Because, you know, talking about the moon and Friday the 13th, it's a lot about goddess worship and the divine female and femininity, femalehood, menstruating period, all that stuff. And so... I hope that it doesn't come off and it's not my intention to come off as if femininity and femalehood is only for cis women um, or that only cis women menstruate because that's, you know, not the case. And also, not all cis women menstruate as well. So I just don't, I want to make a note to make sure that no one feels alienated or triggered or hurt or left out or othered or anything like that. It's not my intention. If I slip up and say, Oh, you know, when women get their period, it's because of the lunar cycle. And we're all in tune with each other. Um, that, that's a slip of the tongue and that is not my intention at all. And I will try really, really hard to watch myself with that. But yeah, I really want bad witch to be an inclusive place and I want people to feel comfortable being here and feel included and feel that they are part of the coven, no matter how we all differ from each other. Um, So yeah, I will try really hard to watch that and I will just say flatly right now, you don't have to be a cis woman or even identify as a woman at all or identify as a specific gender at all to, you know, be a witch and to work under our beloved moon that we are going to talk about right now. I swear, we're really starting now. Okay, Maiden, Mother, Crone, let's do this. I was thinking to myself, I mean, where one thinks really (laughs) is the goddess, the triple goddess symbol, the most famous one in witchcraft. Like the one that even if you aren't a witch at all and have no interest in it, it's the one that you kind of come across in pop culture. It's definitely up there. Um, People may be more familiar with like the pentacle and the pentagram, but I think the goddess symbol, the triple goddess is. Something that is really familiar to all of us, even if you don't really know the meaning behind it. So that's why I wanted to start there. And if you have never seen it before, I am going to describe it for you now, because as we know, podcasts are not a visual medium. So it is two crescent moons with a full moon in the center. I'm sure you have seen it somewhere, even if you're not aware of what it is. And it represents the waxing moon, the full moon, and the waning moon, which we will get into a little bit more in just a minute but also the waxing being the maiden, the full moon being the mother and the waning. Did I say that right? (laughs) All right, one more time. Waxing being the maiden, full being the mother, waning being the crone. You would think when we were out here like passing out names for the lunar cycle, they would have said, let's not do waxing and waning because that's very similar, but no, here we are. (laughs) And I mean, technically it is, in the cycle of becoming big and bright and then fading away and, you know, truly waning. So it makes perfect sense. It's just something that I am going to confuse, um, probably for the rest of my (laughs) life, honestly. All right. So let's talk about the maiden first. So the maiden represents all of those attributes that we kind of societally and culturally already attribute to maidenhood and the like, quote unquote, virgin figure and that doesn't necessarily have to do with level of sexual experience but it's more about youthfulness and a certain carefree air and a certain youthful beauty and new beginnings you know it's really about the new beginnings and it's about fresh potential just this this fresh golden little ball of a figure that is going to then mature throughout this cycle that we're going to be talking about Um, you know, very much focused on art and creativity and self-expression and independence. And, you know, it's where kind of we all are in our late teens, early 20 years we are like, I'm going to live forever. All of my plans are going to work out. I'm going to do this and this and this and this and travel the world and marry a celebrity and, you know, be rich beyond my wildest dreams. It's just, there's so much potential there. And that is what the maiden represents. It really is the idealism of youth to a certain extent. And, um... Just the beginning, you know, just keep thinking about inception and, and the beginning and just starting right there with that maiden figure. And so when we talk about goddesses, the moon in herself is a goddess, right? But then we also have moon goddesses that are all from different cultures and different religions. And so there are many, many, many of them. We're gonna talk about just a few for each um each different aspect. So we have maiden moon goddesses, we have mother moon goddesses, and we also have Prone moon goddesses. I don't know why I keep forgetting, like blanking on prone for a second, as it is my favorite stage, but <laughs> I think it's just, I never say it out loud this much, you know? Anyway, so let's talk about some of our maiden goddesses. We have Artemis, who is a Greek goddess, and she is known as the eternal virgin goddess. She is the lady of the forest and hunting, and also of birth. We will obviously see birth and fertility coming up a lot, over and over and over in this episode. Um, we also have Breed, who is one of our Celtic goddesses. And I'm pretty sure I'm saying her name correctly. <laughs> I had a very, I think I said this before, but I had a very, very lovely Irish listener write into me and try to like school me on all the things I mispronounced, And I'm so thankful for that because Lord knows what I was saying in those a uh, wheel and festival episodes. <laughs> um, but she is very much associated with the stirrings of spring. In springtime, you know, that's going to come up again a lot with the maiden. Because that is the time of rebirth, and that's the time that everything is springing to life for the first time. And that's when we get, you know, the baby chickies and the baby duckies, and everything is fresh and new, and it's starting to begin. Uh, we also have Diana, who is a Roman goddess, and she is associated with the crescent moon. There we go. And uh, also, again, with the hunt, just like Artemis. Um, she is also present for childbirth and women. So again, <laughs> something that's going to keep coming up. And we, of course, cannot talk about the moon without talking about Freya. Oh, I love her so much. I know I shouldn't play favorites with the goddesses. I love them and respect them all individually, but there are certain ones that just totally resonate with me and Freya is one of them. So she is one of our Nordic goddesses and with, you know, let's say it, fertility, spring, flowers, all those things that we're going to see coming up with the maiden part. Um, But she is also about this certain boldness of youth and also this flirtation and this, this certain sexual energy that you just do contain in your youth. You know, it's just this certain vibration and and really this, this different kind of vitality when you're, I mean, I still consider myself in the more youthful end, but you know, really in like your twenties when you're just killing it, (laughs) you're just never gonna look better, feel better, you're gonna look back at pictures and be like, man, I was really killing it back then. That is kind of the energy that Freya conveys. She is just incredibly powerful and moves with a certain boldness. And it's not just boldness in our beauty and in our sexuality, but also in just the moves that we make. I personally call on Freya a lot. Anytime I am ready to make a move that calls for boldness, that calls for action, that calls for really putting myself out there. And stepping with confidence, that is what Freya is so amazing for. I, I just could do a whole episode on her, <laughs> but you know, it's not that time. We'll, we have other, so many other amazing, brilliant goddesses to talk about. Which brings us to Ostara. You didn't think that it was possible that we were going to talk about fertility and newness and freshness and springtime and all of these things and not talk about our Celtic goddess that we literally, you know, have a direct association with Easter with. Yeah, you know, all about the painted eggs and the white rabbits. That's what's sacred to her. She is the Celtic goddess of spring. Again, those same things. Fertility, rebirth, newness. And, you know, in my goddess deck, what she represents is, well, she does quite literally represent fertility. But what she also represents is, like, the things that were planted in the the earlier time in your life. You know, the things that you have been putting down the the work to come to fruition, it it comes up, it springs up in the springtime. So a star is amazing. And then we have Persephone. Oh girl, I just, I wish it would have turned out better for you. Our girl Persephone got kidnapped by Hades and brought down with him to be his wife and to rule the underworld. She is the daughter of Demeter, and her name quite literally means maiden. So when you're talking about maiden, you don't get more maiden than Persephone. And uh, very quickly, the myth for her is that this going to be a little rusty. It's been a while since I took mythology. I took it in high school, so 15 years. Um, but when Persephone is down in the underworld for six months, that is when we have fall and winter, and that is when darkness is upon us. And then when she gets to come up and be with her beloved mother again, that is when we have spring and summer, and that is when everything is new and fresh and fertile again. So Persephone, that is our major maiden figure, and you know me, someone who does believe in all of these things to be true and to be real, and not just stories and fables that were created to explain certain things about how the world was working at the time. And you know, kind of the space of what mythology is—it's these created stories to to give a history to something. I'm like, no, this is history. This is real life. And I I do believe that the goddesses are real and there are certain energies that we work with. But I remember when I learned this in high school mythology, I was very stressed. I was like, well, what if she doesn't come up? Like, are we just going to be in cold and darkness forever? What happens? What if Hades doesn't hold up this end of the bargain? Very stressed. I mean, clearly it's still working out because we've had the hottest summer of all time. But that was a real worry of mine (laughs) for a little bit. I That's another witch kid thing, by the way. Being very, very specifically into mythology, like Greek and Roman mythology. Yeah, obsessive. I It's either you're going to be an Egyptologist. You go through an Egyptologist phase. You go through a major dinosaur phase. And you go through a major mythology phase, which I feel like I'm definitely still in because I work with goddesses all the time. <laughs> all right. And again, speaking of another goddess that is associated with the maiden, we are going to talk about witchcraft's favorite goddess, which is Rhiannon. Another one of my absolute favorites, and it kind of kills me that I can never say her name correctly. I always want to say Rihanna. No, that was right. Rihanna. I think I always want to say Rihanna, (laughs) who is a a walking goddess amongst us, so I think that's pretty fair too. So as we know, Rhiannon rings like a bell through the night, and wouldn't you love to love her? (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't help myself. No, Rhiannon is a Celtic goddess of um, Fleetwood Mac song fame. And she is the divine queen of the fairy. She's very much associated with the natural world. Uh, She's the goddess of movement and a change and really is so steadfast and comforting and strong for women in particular in any times of burden, of crisis, of loss. Um, Something I love with working with Rhiannon in my Oracle deck is that she is, when she comes up, she is like a sorceress energy and she shows to us and reminds us. And it's kind of like a mirror held up to us of how powerful we are and the power that comes from being so divinely female. And it's like this very, this, this very much a power of womanhood and, you know, and the power that comes from within us as women. And, she also is one that is to scold a little bit whenever I see Rhiannon, uh, she kind of carries this message of, okay, well you have all the potential in the world. You have all of this divine female magic in the world. So what are you going to do with that? Are you just going to like sit on it or like, you going to make a move. Like what's up? So I, I just adore her so much. And again, that connection to being this, which of the fairies, this witch of the natural world, or, or this goddess, rather, of the fairies of the natural world is another, again, a, is another tie, again, to springtime, to uh, the freshness, you know, to fertility, all of those things. And then we have the mother, who is going to be the full moon aspect of the triple goddess. So you have the waxing crescent maiden, mother in the middle. So mother is all the things that we associate motherhood with. It is nurturing. Um, protecting, loving of the children. And that's why I say the moon is my mom so much. <laughs> you know I have an actual mother. we all do. Um, but the moon is also my mom because she really does guide me. she protects me, she takes care of me, she gets me on the right path. She fusses at me when I need it. you know, all of the I'm talking you know a lot about the full moon and that. but she does. she watches out for me in a mothering kind of way. Um, she's associated with like confidence and adulthood and confidence and parenthood. So, you know, again, you go from this maiden phase where you might be more footloose and fancy free, but might not have the self-insuredness and the confidence that you get with maturity and with age. Um, she represents fertility and procreation. We are going to always come back to that, uh, the fullness and the robustness of life. It is like, because she is summertime, it is like the ripening of everything. Whether it be like the ripening of the world around us, the ripening of the womb, you know, the the ripening of an idea, all of those things. She is about fulfillment. She is about stability. She is about power. The full moon is when we, well, I say we, is when the moon is at its most powerful. But us under the full moon is when we were at our most powerful as well. Does that make sense? <laughs> I hope so. Um just pretty much all of the attributes you would think of with like a totally actualized and self-realized badass woman that is what the full moon is. It we're just powerful and vibrant and the color associated with the full moon is red. You know, red is a power color. That's my power color for sure even though I'm like drifting away in water signs all over the place. Red is my power color. It is the color of blood and you know, it's what gives us life. So, it's just power more, even though it is so nurturing and loving and protective, it is still about this power of the divine female, you know, of, of our, our womanhood. Again, I, uh, I just love her, (laughs) I just love her so much. And you know, the moon is also really responsible for holding us responsible and teaching us how to be responsible for ourselves and to understand that there are consequences to our actions. like It's like the good sides of adulthood where you are this fully realized person. And it's kind of the hard sides of adulthood too where you have to have self-discipline and you have to have patience and you have to continue to grow up and you have to understand that you are not perfect and that you have a lot of work to do on yourself. And doing that work is not easy, but the moon holds us accountable for that. And I just, even though the mother so here's the thing, right? When we talk about mothers in society, we always want to frame them as like, oh, so sweet voiced and like very nurturing and loving and meeting you at, at after school with a plate of cookies and a glass of lemonade. And I think we focus too much on kind of the softness of motherhood as opposed to the fierceness of motherhood. Like who should you fear more than someone whose child you have messed with. You know what I mean? Like those mothers that will rip your throat out if you even look at their child the wrong way. The ones that can lift cars and uh, trucks off of their kids when those like freak accidents happen. And that's why I think it's so important to acknowledge the strength and the power of the mother aspect. And you know, for me, someone that has chosen to never have children I, that's how I'm able to identify with it. Cause I make these jokes, right? Where I'm like, the Crone's my favorite. I'm ready to be an old lady. I want my tea. I want my knitting. I want my golden girls. I want my stories. I'm good. But I am in the phase. I, yeah, I would say I'm in the, I am entering <laughs> the phase of mother at this point, or I don't know. I feel like I am kind of straddling them, but I, and I know I am mother of baddies. I will never, ever, ever take that for granted. <laughs> but that is how I'm able to relate to it because I, it has taught me to be very nurturing and loving and protective of the things that are important to me and, and those that I see need that kind of care. But it also has emboldened me to be powerful and to walk in that power and to really move through life with a certain vibrance and a certain vitality because I know that I am capable of so much. And there is a fierceness to me. And so that's the side that resonates with me, even though I can find the balance with both. And that's what the full moon is about. Like it's, you can really strike that balance in there. But for me, who's someone that's never going to be a mother hearing the name mother kind of makes me go, Oh, I don't know about that. That has nothing to do with me. (laughs) But then when you really look at, at it and you think about all the things that the mother, that the woman entails. And again, this is not just limited to women. It is, you know, anyone who can identify with these qualities, it, it does have this multi-aspect to the aspect. And so I am able to relate to it in that way. And even though I won't actually physically have children and, you know, won't explore that side of my fertility, I'll still know that I am this badass female figure and that that is given to me by all of this divine female energy that the moon is just feeding me as my mom. <laughs> so, you know, Let's talk about some mothers while we're here. Let's talk about some of our mother moon goddesses. I think it's only fair that we start with Aphrodite, who is all about fertility and beauty and female sexuality. And it's different in the way that we talk about it with the maiden or we talk about it within our own youth, where you may not really even understand your beauty fully yet or how to use it. But when you get to that mother stage and you are a grown woman, you know what I mean? you know how to use your beauty. You are so aware of what your beauty is and you're aware of your beauty in different facets than you are when you're younger. And that things that you couldn't appreciate before are actually the things that make you the most beautiful. And what to do with that, you know, because beauty is power for women. (laughs) It's, It's true. And, you know, we should all use it for good and not evil, but it absolutely is one of our most powerful tools because of how we are deemed by society that that is one of the things that we... We have to work with, you know, we kind of have to figure out a way to use it in our favor and to make the most out of it. So, yeah, Aphrodite would be one of our, like, one of our mother moon goddesses because, again, it's like this fully realized woman. She is womanhood, she is beauty, and she is fertility, and all of that's coming together in one goddess. Uh, Let's talk about... Bast, who is one of our Egyptian goddesses, and she is very, very much associated with fertility and childbirth. She is the one that you will also see. Um, she has a cat's head, and so you will also always see her associated with like working with felines. And when she comes up in my goddess deck, she'll definitely be like, "You need to spend time with felines, and you need to f- felines." I don't know why I'm saying felines. I can say cats. You need to spend time with cats, but you also need to kind of mimic the energy of cats, and it's that same. A bit of playfulness it's a bit of um, slyness to an extent but in a good connotation and also a sense of being powerful and confident I mean cats have you know they don't take any shit <laughs> They're like, I will talk to you when I feel like talking to you thank you Janice so yeah boss is another one of ours um, let's talk about Demeter because we have to talk about Persephone right as the maiden Demeter is the mother goddess and she is Persephone's mother and she is the goddess of uh, grain and of the harvest to an extent and she is the one that brings fertility to earth. you know she brought Persephone into this world and being able to bring Persephone up to her every six months is what brings six months is what brings our springtime and it's what brings our summer and that is when we're able to have this fertile time that will assure that we survive you know the fall and the winter to come. We of course have to talk about Gaia. Because there would be none of this without Gaia. You know, she is Mother Earth herself. She is the oldest echelon of gods and goddesses, I believe. Because Gaia, in turn, gave birth to the Titans, who gave birth to the Greek gods. Okay, yeah, I had to fact check that real quick and jump off <laughs> and get back on. But uh, yeah, Gaia was is like the the mother of them all. She procreated with Uranus, and thus the Titans were born. And then there was Cronus, who had an attitude problem, was like, I don't want any of my kids to ever, uh, displace me and take over, so I'm just gonna, mm, I'm gonna eat them all up. And then Zeus was like, nah, you thought. And then he came back, killed Cronus. And then we had the gods of Mount Olympus from there. So yeah, Gaia is the, the mother. (laughs) She is the Mac Daddy mother of them all. And she is our Mother Earth, and She is like the personification of the earth itself. And then with Uranus, who is the god of the sky and the heavens and of the air, they married, they came together, they procreated, and then they created Oceanus, who is the water, essentially. So you have earth, air, water, and then fire comes along later, but we don't have time to (laughs) dig into all of that mythology while we're here. Oh, and also Gaia gave birth to Uranus. That is her son-husband. You know how the gods and goddesses got down. Um, but I mean, that is another major figure of motherhood of being the mother figure that she was able to like conceive and, and birth this child on her own. So yes, we are, we'd be very remiss to not mention Gaia when we are talking about the mother goddesses. I know we already did fast, but there are so many amazing Egyptian goddess, mother goddesses and mother goddess figures. Um, Let's do Hathor and Isis real quick because I work with both of them in my goddess deck, so I'm very familiar with them. Hathor is, um, she was the goddess that would like welcome the dead into the next life. She was a sky goddess, and so her realm was like love and music and dance and say it with me, fertility. (laughs) She was very much present with women for childbirth. When I get her card in my deck, a lot of the times, uh, well, not a lot of the times, this is what she represents. If people are asking about, issues dealing with mothers and motherhood. She represents successful fertility, um, successful childbearing, or successful like acquisition of a child. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but basically if there's any kind of child custody or child adoption going on when she shows herself, it means, yes, it will be successful and everything will fall into place the way you want it to. I don't know if acquisition is the right word. That's the first one that popped in my head. But yeah, she's just very much a comfort to mothers no matter how you are... Uh, bringing the child into your life whether it is by birth or whether it is by adoption or by custody or even um, You know if you're entering a relationship with someone that has a child all of those ways she really watches over that she's protective there and She very much is like a patron of mothers and then we have Isis who In my deck represents past life and past love. Uh, she is a gosh a Goddess gossip she's not a gossip she is she's not messy at all she's a very pure like beautiful soul and kind of this idealized mother figure she is the idealized mother she is the idealized wife she is uh, also brings together like magic and nature you know much like the moon itself it is this natural figure but also this magical figure she really was a mother in the sense not just traditionally but like in the sense of taking care of the people that needed it most So thinking about the people that were having like the hardest time in society, you know, like the people that were enslaved, the people that were the impoverished, the people that were the hungry, the people that were the, I mean, poor and impoverished are kind of the same thing. People that were experiencing poverty, you know, young women that needed help and young children that needed help. She really watched over all of them and protected all of them and didn't ignore them, which is really important. And she also was really revered by the kind of higher classes of people, you know, the wealthy, the aristocrats, the the people that were in charge and maybe also should have been paying as much attention to the people that needed it as much as she did. So she, again, was kind of about that balance of not ignoring anyone, being this maternal, beautiful figure to all people that that she was very available and that she was very... Just very full of love and nurturing and protection. That you know those like he mother words that we think about, um, and she is the goddess of children. So you, know, you kind of can't get more, can't get more mother than that, can you? Okay, so let's move on to my favorite, your favorite, the world's favorite, the crone aspect. So in the goddess. Uh, the triple goddess symbol. She is the waning moon. She is the waning crescent. And this is when we are returning kind of to darkness. You know, this is when things were had our full brightness and things are now easing back down where we're going to complete the cycle and then start again, you know, with the new moon or uh, with the maiden aspect. So she is about all the things that you have gained over these other two experiences. She is about wisdom and compassion and just knowledge and the things that you have to gain over time that you're not just, you know, even if you have an old soul, you're not just born with. Um, She is about guidance. And even though she's not the height of like, the entirety of power, that's really in the mother full moon stage, she is in the height of like her spiritual power and the height of her quiet power of her kind of her sympathetic magic. This is the all wise, all knowing culmination of all these lessons and experiences and taste and touch everything that you've gone through in these other two um, aspects or these other two phases. It all comes here. And I think that's so beautiful. I think that's why the crone is my favorite. (laughs) Not just because I am an old lady through and through, but it's just a level of wisdom and knowledge and peace that I'm really looking forward to getting to, not only for like my own peace, but also so that it's advice and peace that I can offer to other people. I'm so excited about that. Um, other names that you might know the crone by is the wise woman, the witch, shout out, <laughs> or the matriarch. Whenever you think, uh, whenever you hear, or you, yeah, you think about the, typical witch, you know, out in the woods, or you hear like Hansel and Gretel, or what's another, now that I want to say them, of course, I can't think of any, but whenever you have those stories of like the witch who lives out there and you pass by her house and she's old and she has cats and her house is so creepy and crazy, it's that crone figure that they're referring to, but little did they know that she is still like brimming with her own kind of beauty, and also all of this amazing knowledge that you want to soak up, and if you weren't so worried about judging her for being an old woman or an older woman who is solitary and perhaps living by herself and just on the outskirts of society, you would not fear her, but realize that she is just a fountain of everything that you would want to ever drink from. So yeah, I got a real special place in my heart for the crone (laughs) as we know Um, the color associated with the crone is black because again, we are darkening down from the full brightness of the moon. And we're gonna talk about that in just a second. Did I say that she's associated with the waning moon? Yeah, she is the waning crescent. Just in case I didn't say it, who knows what I'm saying at this point. <laughs> you know what I was also thinking. People fear the crone. I think in relation to that stage of of fertility that we've been talking about, because they don't really know what to do with a woman who is past being fertile. Like we understand the maiden because that is something that is attracted to us. It's youth, it's beauty, it's you know early fertility, and the mother because it is fertileness and that is something that's been produced. And something that, again, we can really relate to. But then it's kind of this idea of like not knowing what to do with a woman who's quote-unquote past her prime, even though she is exactly in her prime because the power that comes at the crone stage is so evolved and it's so spectacular. And that is when you can deal with, you know, if you want to destroy, if you want to banish, if you want to transform, all of that stuff is in the crone aspect. But I think the fear that comes with it is not just oh, it's like an ugly old witch or the lady that lives out there and she's scary, but it's the fear of we don't know what to do with women when we aren't sexualizing them and they aren't something that is like, we see as, again, beauty, beauty beauty being a tool or being a weapon in certain cases. We don't know what to do when we are no no longer like able to see a woman as purely a beautiful or sexual being and she has to just be a person. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I think that does, that is where some of that fear towards the crone comes from and thus the stereotype of the crone being wicked or evil or wants to eat children or like put them in her cauldron and and make them into a tasty stew or you know build the house made of candy so they'll come and eat off of it so she can trick them I think it really is that fear or not even that fear but like people just don't know what to do with women once they're past childbearing age which is so crazy as if we stop being people when we aren't able to have children anymore. And again, not all women can have children. Not everyone that identifies as a woman will have children. And we are not our body parts. We're just, we're so much more (laughs) than just our reproductive organs. So yeah, I think that is where some of that fear comes from as well. And then a lot of mythology has obviously sprang up around that of witches will eat your children. (laughs) As far as I know, no witches out here are like, yeah, give me some of those tasty cake kids. No, not at all. We want to protect them and nurture them and mother them. And that doesn't end just because we all get older and wiser, you know? Yeah, I don't know. That just kind of popped in my head. Um, So let's talk about some crone goddesses. And here there is going to be mention of winter and of life and death because we are talking about coming into the end of the cycle. We've had our youth. We've had our motherhood time of, you know, being in that middle age and now we are coming into our old age and that is just life everyone you know is going to die and death is as part as much a part of the cycle as life is that's just the way things are and it's not just for us human beings it's for all the animals and the plants on the earth and at some point the earth itself is going to sorry is this way too morbid (laughs) But you know, there really is a beauty in that as well, because it is the completion of a cycle and at the completion of something, then something can be reborn. So it is beautiful, even though it's something that it's hard for us to deal with. Um, But you will see that a lot with her because it is about the darkness. It's about the coldness to an extent. And because it is the quote unquote ending of the cycle, ending of life, there is, she is more closely associated and more in tune and in touch with the spiritual world, with the Akashic record, with with all of those things that start to open back up when we are getting into the end of the cycle. You know, they always say that people that are really good at seeing ghosts and spirits are like little kids and well, also animals, but little kids and also um, old older people, because even though they're in different parts of the cycle, they're either coming right from or getting back to the point of ending and starting, which is the same point. <laughs> Does that make sense? I think so. So, uh, And also, you know, for kids, they're always, they're, you're, when you're a baby or a toddler, you're not taught that something is real or not real. You just see what you see. And that's what you can be like, oh, no, I saw that. That There was a person or I saw someone walk through a wall or, you know, whatever the case may be. But it is also that they're at the very beginning of the cycle and old older people are at the very end of the cycle. And so that meeting point where death and life are right there and they're kind of the same thing, they're able to see the things that we aren't, that are kind of in the middle of it all. Okay, so our Chrome Goddesses. I'm going to talk about the ones that I am the most familiar with, um, but there are a couple I'm actually going to put a request out that if these are ones that you work with, please give me the 411 because I want to know more about them. So one is, um, and if I'm saying this wrong, correct me, absolutely. Baba Yaga, I think I might be, I don't know. I'm probably saying that wrong. But I have heard her name come up a lot just over the course of my lifetime and never have really looked that deeply into her or felt like I had the right resource. So if you do have a resource on her, I would love to learn more about her because that name really sticks out to me. Um, Also, Headcat or Hecate, another one. I think it is pronounced both ways, but if I have that wrong, let me know. Do not be afraid to let me know Um, because I know she is really considered one of the major Chrome goddesses. So I would love to, if anyone has a resource about her, throw that my way. Uh, The one I will talk about who I... Absolutely adore. She is actually, let me look over. No, she, Lakshmi is on my altar right now. But Kali is a Hindu goddess who is everything. So she is the goddess of destruction and also rebirth. And whenever I get her card, people freak out. They are so afraid of Kali. And I think even before I got into my witchcraft, you know, hardcore as an adult, and before I started reading my cards and everything, I was familiar with a lot of the Hindu uh, pantheon, pantheon, yeah, pantheon of gods and goddesses. And whenever I would hear the name Kali or I would see the uh, the imagery for her, I always was afraid. I was like, oh man, she looks like intense. And then when I started to really learn about her, there is so much beauty in that card. She is so, and, and there is so much beauty to her as a goddess. She is so powerful. And the thing about it is, is that you have to have death and destruction to have a new life, to have this new emergence, to have this new beginning. It is so essential. And I think when people hear about her or see her, they think she's death. That's so scary. That's the thing that we're all trying to avoid. That's the thing that we're all, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. It makes us feel helpless and it makes us feel out of control. But when you think about the destruction and death being part of the life process and that it brings so much goodness. It just makes her so beautiful and so powerful and gorgeous to me. I love her so much. And I really love when I get her in a reading because (laughs) people will usually be like, Hey, should I, should I move on from this relationship or should I move on from this job? Those are two things I get the most. And first of all, I've said this before, I'll say it again. If you have to ask about it, you already know the answer in regards to those things. People in happy relationships aren't contemplating ending them. People that are fulfilled and happy at work aren't contemplating leaving their jobs. But it's really helped. You know, I can say that all day. Well, you know, and those are also for the most part. Uh, there's also always like, uh, you know, outside circumstances. But I, as a person, can say that all day. But then when a goddess says it and Kali shows up in the reading, which I'm like, I know Kali's about to pop out, but I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna let her say it for me. <laughs> But I love when she shows up because people really do listen. And the message is not death and destruction and morbidity and darkness. It is you have to let go of the past and you have to embrace the new. And you cannot have two things in one place at once. There is chaos and it is okay and it's okay to embrace it. So I I absolutely love her. I adore her. And then I also want to talk about Lilith. Where? Okay. Where do we begin? I... I'm going to have to, I'm going to pull out another episode or another couple episodes where I focus on specific goddesses and we'll do like a big chunk of them at once. So I'm not going to go all the way through Lilith, but another one that I feel has gotten bad PR, <laughs> I feel like, you know, and no, in no small part to her depiction of Christianity and other religions, I, I feel like she has gotten a really bad rep. You know, while some people may see her as, again, an old witch figure or demonic even, and the stealer of children and the ruiner of, like, young maidens' lives, I think that she is such a power and a symbol of powerful femalehood, of owning one's sexuality, of not bending to a man, of, of being a feminist. I, I love her. I think she's absolutely amazing. For those of you who don't know, uh, Lilith was Adam's first wife in the Garden of Eden and she was like not taking any shit (laughs) so then Eve came around who I mean then allegedly uh caused the downfall of man anyway because she took the apple and or pomegranate depending on what translation you're looking at from uh the snake aka the devil in the Garden of Eden I hope I'm getting all this right and then of course the the sin of man was then attributed to a woman because that's how it's going to be in religion (laughs) but we have a whole episode about that um but Lilith was I think the thing was that she wanted to be on top during sex and like asserted her dominance and wouldn't bend to Adam. And so she was expelled. And so she, then the story becomes well, she became like this evil witch or this demon or this evil fairy that would go and like steal babies and stuff. But I think that she is such a badass woman and she knew how powerful she was and she was confident and she owned her sexuality. And she was like, nah, see you later then, guys. And you know, if you grew up in the time that I did, which is the time of Lilith Fair, which is the first time I ever heard her name, and I was like, wait, who, what, what is this? I, that's when I got a taste of her and I was like, yes, yes, I am all about her. And you know, Lilith Fair, if you do remember, and I was maybe 10 or 11 or 12, the years that that it ran. And I, one of my biggest regrets in life is that I never got to go to Lilith Fair. I think they did try to, to, um, revamp it and put it on the road not that long ago, But, I mean, I need Fiona Apple and Meredith Brooks and Paula Cole and Sean Colvin. Like, all of them. I need Sarah McLaughlin, you know? But, yeah, Lilith Fair was an all-woman music festival. And what just sounds more amazing than that. So, that's where I first learned her name. She – and then learned the story. And, you know, again, growing up Catholic, you – I had never heard of Lilith until that moment. So, thank goodness for pop culture. (laughs) But I think she's absolutely amazing. And she also uh, is one of those crone goddesses because there is an association with death with her. There is an association of being just this older, wiser, and also darker figure, but not dark in the way that we have talked about where the connotation is evil, but dark in the way that the connotation is wizened, that it is older, that it is in a different stage of life or she is in a different stage of life. Um, there's one more that I actually wanted to ask all of you for some information on because I definitely want to learn more about Native American Spirituality and gods and goddesses, especially for me personally. My dad is a uh, part Seminole and my mom is part Homa or Choctaw I have to double check and ask her again because I always forget and it may maybe both honestly So it is something that is culturally relevant for me and I want to tap into more but um if it is something that you were very familiar with, it's from your background, or if it's a goddess that you work with, the name I came across was Grandmother Spider or Grandmother Spider Woman. So please, if you have any information about her, I would love to read more about her. I mean, of course I can Google and you know go on the internet and search it out, <laughs> but I always like to ask for personal experiences because I know you can just give me more relevant information. And who knows what someone is writing somewhere on the internet. It could just be madness. And then I come back and I say, hey, I did the research, you guys. Let me tell you what I found. And then I say something insane. So instead of doing that, if you have any information, you know, actually one of my very favorite, let me, let me look up what her association is really quickly. Butterfly Maiden. She is one of my very favorite goddesses in my deck. And she is a Kashina or Kachina, which is a spiritual being in the Hopi uh, Native American mythology. So she's one that I work with a lot. I love her. And her name is quite literally Butterfly Maiden. So she represents transformation, going into the cocoon, and then shedding it away and becoming this new, fresh thing, as we've learned about the word maiden at this point. Uh, So she's actually one of my favorites. I've been doing some work and research with her. So again, the grandmother spider is what I was coming across online. If you have anything about her, please send it my way, because I would love to be more informed about that for myself and also for all of you. Okay, so I didn't think that was gonna take uh 50 minutes or <laughs> 40, 50 minutes, but we have to talk about it. It's very important, especially because while we're talking about the moon, it's not just this big rock in the sky, right? We're actually talking about this life cycle of the moon. We are talking about from birth to maiden to mother to crone to death. So it's really important to go through the triple goddess and to talk about all those aspects. Because while we're talking about the lunar cycle, we're actually really talking about a life cycle. So let's get into that. There are eight phases in the lunar cycle. This is another time where I will just be describing them to you, (laughs) but I will find a graphic. Well, it's like I have to find a graphic. I will put a graphic in the Facebook group as well. So we start with our new moon. This is when the moon is not visible at all. It is a brand spanking new. Then we move on to our waxing crescent. Waxing comes first. This is the maiden. We then go to our first quarter. Oh, sorry, let me go back. For the waxing crescent, you are going to see that sliver that is the crescent moon. Uh, it's also what I would call as a kid the Cheshire Cat smile. If you ever watched the old Alice in Wonderland adventures on Disney Channel, that was live action. And the, well, I mean, it's in the movie too, but for, that's the one I would watch as a kid. And the cat would disappear, but his smile would still be there. That is the crescent moon. Then you have the first quarter that is when you can see the moon halved. Then you have my favorite word of all time, the waxing gibbous. The gibbous is when only like a third, no, not a third, even like a fourth. Oh, no, it's a third. Why am I acting like I know math? <laughs> when the crescent sliver is now the sliver that is in darkness. So that is your waxing gibbous and then you have your full moon. Then we're at full brightness. It's a big, bad baby. It's right there. Then we start to come down and we're coming back into the darkness, right? So we have our waning versus waxing. We're going to go the reverse order. Waning, gibbous, best word ever. That's when you're going to see the two thirds of the moon is going to be in brightness and then that crescent sliver is going to be in darkness. So same as the waxing gibbous just coming back down now. And then you have your last quarter, which is opposite of the first quarter. And so you can see half of the moon. And then we go to our waning crescent which is our crone and so you're just going to see that crescent moon shape again and then you come to the dark moon which is the end and the dark moon is what the um the crone governs but then it's also our new moon so the cycle is always going it is continuous that's something that I think is really important in talking about the moon is that sometimes we isolate it too much we'll be like oh there's a new moon coming and I'm gonna be I'm not gonna sleep I'm gonna be so restless and I have to do this this and that Or we say, oh, there's a new moon and I get to start over. It's going to be so fresh and awesome. And I think sometimes we neglect that it is a cycle and it's something that is always going. And so we always need to be aware of it and not just focus on these isolated parts that we bring out or we draw out rather. And that's going to be important in talking about how we work with the moon's magic and we make our own magic with it. The way I was taught to know What phase of the magic that you're in is to pick out keywords for each moon instead of saying, oh, there's like all these things that I can do for the first quarter, or there's all these things I should be focusing on for the waxing or whatever. These are the keywords for each one. So this would actually be pretty handy to write down just to keep in mind. So for the new moon, the keyword or the key phrase is beginning again, (laughs) which we've talked about at length at this point. For the waxing crescent, it would be setting intentions. For the first quarter moon, it's action. For the waxing gibbous, it is refine. And then for the full moon, it is harvest, which is so perfect because this is a harvest full moon that we're going to be having on this Friday the 13th. And then for what's after? Waning gibbous. (laughs) See, even when I have to like think about it, the word is going to be uh, gratitude or... Yeah, I like to use the word gratitude. Some people use the word grateful. Um, for the last quarter, it's going to be release. And then for the waning crescent, it's going to be surrender. And then you come back to your dark moon. And I sometimes the word I like to use for that is like banishment, which I know is kind of a scary word, but banishment in the cease of like t- in the, the cease. <laughs> what? In the sense of total release. Just whatever is not suited or fitting, it is gone. So I I like to think of that word for the dark moon. I, I don't think banishment is a scary word. I think it's actually a really powerful word. So to kind of put it together again, from a new moon to the full moon, you kind of think of manifesting magic. And then from the full moon to the dark moon, I like to think of it as more of cleansing magic and more of like a settled magic. I don't know. That's something that helps me. So now that we know everything there is to know about the physical lunar cycle and the, um, the cycle of life that is the goddess moon, we can talk about what magic you should be focusing on during each phase. So with our new moon, that is the birth, right? That is the early, early formation of the uh, maiden aspect. And this is what we should be focusing on. All things new. <laughs> I could have seen that coming. Any new beginnings you want to implement any um changes that you really want to make, any fresh starts, The fresh start is so key. Anything that you feel like needs to be given new life, needs to be rebirthed, this is the time to do it. It is so opportune for change. Any magic that is focused and any intentions that are focusing on that, the new moon is your best friend. This past new moon, um, I don't know what happened to your girl, but it gave me truly a new attitude. Like it gave me a new lease on life. And... I think the full moon's going to kick my ass a little bit because it always does, <laughs> but I'm going to prepare for it now because instead of being like, Oh, there's a the full moon this week. I know it's Friday the 13th. I know that Friday, I know when Friday is, I can handle that. And so I am going to be very focused on the coming to fruition. You know what I mean? But yeah, so the new moon, it, it just, it's just, a, it's a fresh start and it gives you a new a new chance to work on the things and set the attentions and correct the things that you wanted to do. Love it. Love that for us. Okay. So then with the waxing moons, this is when the maiden goddess is maturing, you know, and she's headed to that mother stage. And so it's a really good time to focus on magic that involves creativity, growing and learning any positive transformations that you're really focused on building your own strength, um, working on your confidence in magic overall. It's a great time for, um, attracting new job, new relationships, a new you, you know, you don't have to. Like I was saying, we think of it so, in such a jointed separate way. Like I have to do this for the new moon. I have to do this for the waxing crescent, but it's like always a continuation. And then we're going to get to the full moon and then we're going to kind of release and rebuild from there. So it's, you know, build upon that newness that you're already bringing in and invoking with the new moon. So any magic around that is amazing. It's a really opportune time to let yourself be self focused and really pay attention to your inner desires and what you really, really want to manifest. Because, you know, when we get to that full moon, that's when it's going down. <laughs> like, that's when the manifestation is going to be at its absolute height. So it's a great time to really focus on yourself um, with the waxing crescent and then with the first quarter moon. It's another time again you're like you're just building. You're building on those desires. And that's when we talk about like setting intention versus action. You are taking more actionable steps to bring whatever your desires are to fruition. So it's just uh, you're building. You're just building upon and building upon and building upon and you're meditating and you're setting those intentions and you're making sure that you're putting the energy into them to receive that energy from the moon and being bam there it is. And then particularly with the waxing gibbous, how can I forget my favorite word? <laughs> That's an especially potent time to work on manifesting um, material things, so money, objects, relationships, things that you want to hold and grab onto, health, you know. Um, Anything that you really desire, things that you really want, the waxing gibbous is a really great time to focus on that. So, still, you're building, building, building. And then here we are at the amazing full moon. And it's time to harvest, baby. It's all about realizing those manifestations. It is about abundance. It's about your desires. It's about sexuality. It's about achievement. It's about protection. It's about, you know, releasing the old and bringing in the new and just embracing that intense light and that intense energy energy and that intense power because now the goddess has become the mother and she is lit up and she is everything. She is just, oh, can you feel it? Can you feel the power right now while I'm talking about it? I know we're getting, because it's Tuesday right now. So we're like easing up on the full moon getting here. And I swear I can feel that surge of energy. So it's like everything you want, everything you can ask for, it is there for the taking during the full moon. So focus that magic, light those candles, charge those crystals, make your moon water. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Consecrate those tools, use that energy for every aspect of your witchcraft because it will power everything and it will give you the most potent, amazing power. And you know, We're always in the process of doing our work and practicing our craft, but why let one brilliant full moon pass us up, especially a harvest moon. Come on, like there's no better time, especially going into fall, especially with Samhain just being right around the corner. It is time to ask for what you want and to make it so. I am so excited about this full moon. I won't be able to sleep. I will have nightmares, but I'm very excited about it. All right, so after we have our full moon, Mother has come. Mother has aided us. Mother has protected us. She has healed us. She has given us everything she can. She has nursed us. We have a waning moon now, and this is where the chrome comes in. So this. Just means that the moon has hit her brightness and it's now time to come down and to go back into the natural darkness that has to be there that precedes the next period of brightness. So what magic are we focusing on in this waning period? We are looking at undoing bindings. This is an amazing time for cord cutting, especially with your waning gibbous. That is going to be right after the full moon. Um, For shedding old patterns, for releasing, for cleansing. That's why I said it's kind of like cleansing magic. For clearing away, letting go, removing, banishing—you know—that's why I said we're just gonna banish stuff out. Um, because we put all this man—we've done all this manifesting magic right up to this point, and we have manifested, and now we have to clean house a little bit. Um, anything that you need to really release—negative energy, stress, bad habits—hello, especially if you are focusing on like your health and your eating and working out and stuff like that. Great time to get on it. Great time to release any bad habits you have. I'm currently working on that because I love a night cheese situation. I love just like, I just need a, what's it called? A string cheese at midnight and I'm trying really hard to stop doing that. So after the full moon and that waning gibbous, I am going to finally start shedding that bad habit, but oh, it's so tasty, you know, I just, I just love a night cheese much like uh Liz Lemon. Um, let's see. Oh, getting rid of any unsatisfying or unfulfilling relationships, jobs, uh, we already said habits, but like not just physical habits, but like mental habits, spiritual habits, things that are just holding you down instead of holding, like lifting you up rather. Um, And it's a good time to work on just negative thoughts, anxieties, anxiousness, things like that. Um, you know, any sadnesses that you need to address, any traumas that you need to address. And if you want to cut course to those, the waning gibbous is a phenomenal time for that. Um, The moon is getting quote unquote weaker and the strength of the goddess is getting quote unquote weaker, but it's not weakness as much as it's just maturing and it's aging and it's changing. So embrace the wisdom of that period, embrace the lessons, embrace the knowledge because it's so there for you. And it really will, even though the light is coming down it will illuminate, illuminate, yeah. <laughs> it will illuminate for you the things that you do need to let go of and the things that do need to be shed and the things that do need to be cut and banished away. So that when you come back to the dark moon and it's time for that new beginning again, you're beginning even greater than in the last cycle. Um, so, with, yeah, again, with the waning gibbous, really look at cord cuttings. That's a great time for cord cuttings. It's a great time to just start banishing away. With the um, last quarter moon, that's the one where it's in the half, it is a great time to really look at your impulses and what kind of things you are impulsive about or what kind of impulsive decisions you've allowed yourself to make and cut your ties to those impulses because... Uh, those definitely fall under bad habits (laughs) for sure. I'm speaking as an extremely impulsive person where sometimes it's a good kind of impulsiveness and I teach myself illustrator in one day because I have to complete this creative thing and sometimes it's I buy a plane ticket to uh, Greece with no plan, no hotels contacted, no clothes You know, sometimes impulsiveness isn't the best. (laughs) It's really... And if you use that third quarter that last quarter to really look at it and see what it's illuminating still, you can find out what kind of impulses are good for you and which probably needs to be swept away with everything else. And then with the waning crescent, our uh, final aspect, the crone aspect, it's time to correct mistakes. It's time to work on mending anything that you need to correct. It's time to... Look at spells that perhaps didn't go the way you needed them to or put out a vibe or put out a, that had repercussions that you perhaps didn't intend and work on correcting that. And it is again, a time to release. You have to release and you have to relax into it and you have to banish because not everything that is meant for us is meant to stay forever. And a lot of things just aren't meant for us, period. You know, we've talked about that a lot. And we find ourselves very much wanting to hold on to things, even though we know better in our intuition. And so, while the crone is giving us all of this wisdom and all of this insight and all of this knowledge, and we are soaking it up and growing in our own wisdom ourselves under her tutelage, why don't we just release that stuff? And then we can find relief and we can relax and we can prepare ourselves for the next cycle. So, Even though, again, the crone kind of gets a bad rap and she's kind of, maybe that's why I like her because she's a little bit of the underdog in this situation because it's either death and darkness or it's like, oh, nothing that exciting happens and we're just trying to get to the new moon. But she gives us so much knowledge and she helps us to become our best selves and our best witches. So don't neglect that waning moon cycle because it's just as important as the crescent moon cycle. It's just as important as the full moon and it's just as important as the new moon because without the waning cycle and the come down, we couldn't go back up. So I love the crone. And, you know, in her honor, after I finish recording, I'm going to go watch Golden Girls. <laughs> Get ready for the Chrome section of my life. <laughs> um. So then when you complete the cycle, the new moon and the dark moon are like one in the same. Just at when we're talking about the beginning of it, we call it the new moon. When we're talking about the end, where the waning comes back down, we back down, we call it the dark moon. And this is a time to wholeheartedly, let's use the word again, Banish negative energies from our life. Goodbye, much like Lilith was like, you know what, this Garden of Eden thing isn't really working for me. Peace out, catch you on the other side. That is how we need to treat anything that's negative, that's not serving us, that's not working for us, fulfilling us, making us happy. You've got to banish that out and the dark moon is a great time to do that because you're banishing and then you're doing what? You're starting fresh and you're starting anew. So I, like I said, I associate the word Uh, I associate the dark moon with the word banish, but to me, that's not a negative thing. It's not a heavy thing. It's a really fruitful, wonderful thing to do because it brings us so much goodness right after that. So that is the moon magic. We are almost there. I don't know why I thought this episode would be short. (laughs) Well, not short. I thought it was going to be an hour, which is short for us. I, according to whom? According to me. Uh, Okay, so moon water is going to be your homework this week. And let me interject real fast. If you have not done your egg homework from last week, your egg cleanse, that is okay. I have not had time to do mine either because I told you this new moon came in like nothing I've ever experienced and I've gotten insanely busy, which is still not an excuse. But if you haven't done it yet, I haven't done it either. The thread is up in the Facebook group if you want to post it there. I'm going to absolutely do mine this week uh, because there's a full moon coming and I don't want to bring those energies into the full moon. You know, even though we're still in the waxing period, I just, I don't want to bring that into it. I want it to be as pure as possible. So speaking of your homework this week, moon water. What is moon water? It is extremely easy to make if you want to do it the most basic way, which bad witches, that's how we want to do it. (laughs) You know, let's not overcomplicate things. You simply are going to take water. You are going to put it, I like to put it into a mason jar so I can seal it because I uh, don't like critters and critters love to find their way into your water and you want to be able to drink it for some of us. So you fill a jar with water and because I drink mine, I put herbs in it versus oils. I know some oils are okay to ingest. I don't know which ones are and which ones aren't. I mean, you can get like lavender essence. I suppose you could do that, but you know what if that's not what you want to focus on at the time? So I like to use herbs in mine and I put crystals in mine. Uh, The best way to go is with a moonstone, but it depends on what you want to manifest for yourself. Sometimes if I'm really focused on abundance and career stuff, I mean, that's what I'm always focused on, but (laughs) I will put Citrine in, I will put Jade in, I will put Malachite in. um, And if I'm really focused on love, I am going to go with as many rose quartz as I can find, (laughs) but also probably a bloodstone because, you know, you want to think about the vitality and the power in the blood and the heart beating and all those things. So it really is about what you're focused on. It can be herbs, it can be oils, it can be crystals. Hell, if you want to put glitter in it, do that. Just don't drink it. I think for mine this time, I'm going to do mints because I'm really focused on good luck and prosperity and healing and luck with career, but also luck with love. Because <laughs> have I told y'all about how my dating experiment is going through? As Dorinda would say, not well, bitch. Um, But that's okay. We're going to turn it around with our moon water. And I think I'm also going to do basil because basil is such a great protector. And, you know, going into the fall season and going into Samhain, I just want to make sure that I'm putting as much protection around myself and my craft as possible because, Veils are going to start thinning and portals are going to start opening. And we want to make sure that we're only dealing and always dealing with the most positive energy for us. So, yeah, I think I'm going to do mint and basil. And, I mean, that sounds pretty tasty, doesn't it? So what you do is you're going to seal up your jar and you are going to place it under the moonlight. And the moon is going to charge it up. It is going to just soak in the moon's radiance and its energy and its vibrance and its magic and all that stuff. You leave it out there, you let it charge, and then you can bring it inside the next day and it is ready to go. Uh, you don't have to drink it if you don't want to. Some people like to. Now, listen, I'm not going to be like, chug it down. <laughs> you know? Space it out. But if you're setting into... Oh, and that's another thing. Did I already say this? I'm talking so much. Well, I mean, it's a podcast. That's okay. But make sure that when you are putting your crystals into the water, that when you're putting... And cleanse your crystals first. I mean, literally cleanse them, clean them. And also... Um, uh, cleanse them like with some selenite or with some, uh, or smudge them and cleanse them out with smoke. And please be very careful. You're going to drink it. Do not choke on the crystals. Make sure they do not fall into your mouth. Just keep your lips tight. I don't want anyone choking on anything. Be very careful. Um, but when you're putting your crystals in the water, when you're pouring the water in, when you're holding the jar in your hands, when you're adding in the herbs or the oil, whatever you do, when you're sealing it, you're putting intentions into it that whole time. You know, that's a, That's a practice we really need to be able to get into for ourselves and get comfortable with and get constant with is that we are always setting intentions and not just flippantly being like, I hope this happens. (laughs) It does. And sometimes it happens, but it totally backfires on you. We want to make sure that we are setting the exact right intention for what we want to harvest and harness that energy for from the full moon. So yeah, leave it out, bring it in, you can drink it and you know, use it in sips. If you're about to do a ritual, you can sip some water then. If you're gonna light a candle, sip some water then. If your ritual calls for water, you can use your moon water. If you're cooking in your cauldron, use your moon water. If you want to cleanse your cleanse your crystals, use your moon water. It is a very multifaceted which tool, accoutrement to have, and it is very powerful because it gets so charged up with that amazing energy. And you can, you know, do what feels right when you have it. You, you know, in church, when I was little, they would take the holy water on the sprig and during Easter, I have been a long time, Good Friday maybe, and they would, you know, shake the palm leaf onto the people in the pews and you would get the water on you. Maybe you want to shake it on yourself that way. Get a good bundle of a cedar and just shake it on yourself. (laughs) Maybe That's what's going to feel good. Who knows? It's your moon water. You do what you want to do with it. Just be careful, again, if you drink it that you're not actually poisoning yourself or choking on anything. Safety first, always, which safety first, always. So I inadvertently, well, not inadvertently. I already ranted a lot about feminism in this episode. So we don't have to go that hard about Friday the 13th, but it is a goddess day. 13 is a goddess number. The association of 13 definitely has to do with the 13 cycles of the moon and women, oh, well, sorry, uh, uh, people that menstruate ovulating on the 13th day and, um, how we have 13 periods in the year. And so the connection is right there. Friday is also a day that is dedicated to Venus, which is the goddess of love and like an ultimate symbol of womanhood. So it's all right there. Again, there is a whole episode, lucky number 13, where I just, oh, do I go off about how people have taken this day from us and made it horrible and we're gonna reclaim it for all of us beautiful goddesses out there. And we have this harvest moon, which I keep seeing these articles where everyone's like, oh, it's so spooky. Oh, don't be scared. It's not scary. (laughs) <laughs> a harvest moon is literally just about the harvest. It is, <laughs> you know, the dramatics of it all. It's literally just like aligning with the time when you know people that farm for a living or lived off the land and develop crops will be harvesting crops for the winter. It is very close to the autumnal equinox, and it's going to be a really beautiful, fruitful time. I mean, collecting the harvest is the fruits of your labor. So when we're manifesting and we're bringing all these things to fruition for the full moon, what's better than to harvest on a harvest moon? You know what I mean? So everyone keeps being like, it's so scary. (laughs) It's not. It is so beautiful. It is so nourishing. It is our mother moon again, giving us everything we need. Here comes the harvest, babes. Get ready. Get that tractor out. Get that scarecrow. I don't know. I don't know that much about farming, (laughs) but I do know that the harvest moon is going to be spectacular. Spectacular. And it's going to be the time to harvest all of those things, all of those intentions we've been setting and all those things we've been manifesting all this time anyway. So it's going to be amazing. Friday the 13th, you certainly cannot miss it. Last but not least is our crystal of the week. I think you have, have, (laughs) because my weird British accent that jumps out sometimes. I think you all have, okay, I think you all have guessed it by now, it is, of course, a variety of moonstone because what is a more perfect stone to use during a full moon? And the one that I picked is peach moonstone because I wanted something in an orange hue to align with the orange color of the harvest full moon. Also, here's what's really important about the peach moonstone. It is a stone that specifically brings in calm and restful energies during a full moon. Literally, what more could you need? Along with that, it also is a really protective, sp- <laughs> y'all can tell I've been recording for too long. It's a really protective stone, particularly for women, for children, for pregnant women. It is also a stone that aids in fertility. So again, when we talk about fertility, we're not just talking about the physical body being able to get pregnant and have a child and all that, but we're talking about fertility of manifestation, fertility of practice, fertility of intention, all the things that you want to come to fruition and you want to be fertile. This is a great stone for that. It is also an amazing stone for love and for working with the crown chakra and the heart chakra. And it really attracts... Am I seeing the right chakras? Yeah, I had to double check. <laughs> for your heart and for your crown chakra, it brings in love and it brings in the kind of love and romance that you want, which is love that is balanced and it is true. And it, it exists on its own and it's not like filling a void or it's not for a nefarious reason. And it also really is a stone that is focused on bringing up self-love and you know coming and seeking out love and romance from a place of self-love. So it's a beautiful stone and of course all moon stones are really aligned with the moon. That is our direct connection to the goddess and to those goddess energies. And it is the perfect stone, I think at least for our full moon on Friday the 13th, the goddess moon on the goddess day with the goddess number. Bam. There we go. Okay, so we have made it to the end of the moon episode. That was fun. I hope you all had fun. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you feel so much even more connected to our mom now because she is truly 100% that witch, which speaking of (laughs) a bunch of people in the Facebook group figured out what this episode was going to be called ahead of time because, you know, we all have witch same brain. So, uh, and I was planning on putting out 100% that witch t-shirts with this episode, but since everyone solved it, I put them out a little bit before. (laughs) So the 100% witch shirts are on the uh, Teespring link, which will be in the episode notes. It's also in the Facebook group and the uh, witch witch shirts and also the astrology shirts. There's so much new stuff in the merch store. Please just even go look at it because, you know, learning illustrator was a very manic moment for me, (laughs) but I'm glad I did it. Now I have a new skill, new skill. Other than that, the podcast at gmail.com if you would like to reach out to me. I'm a little behind on emails. I have had a ton come in, which thank you so much for, you know, taking a second to write me an email. So I'm catching up literally as we are done speaking. Um, The Facebook group is Search Bad Witch. The answer to the question is The Craft. If you put Flubber, (laughs) I will take it. I've had a lot of new people join this week. And most of them are like, oh, I don't know. But you talked about the Real Housewives. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Mm (laughs) Listen, I'm a Bethany Frankel stan. Love it or hate it. I am. She is my problematic fave, and she is problematic. Trust me, I know. But, you know, I, I just I can't help myself. Bravo raised me along with the moon. Um, so, yeah, Facebook group. Come and join us there if you would like. And what else? Oh, and Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash badwitch. And there are shout-outs and readings and bonus episodes and all kinds of really fun stuff like that. And I feel like I'm forgetting something. Email, merch... Facebook group, Patreon. That must be it. We did your homework. We did the crystal. We talked all about the moon. We we did country witchcraft, which seems like a year ago now. So we are done with our moon episode. I love you all so much. I am wishing you the most fruitful and amazing and glowing and orange and golden full moon. I'm wishing you the luckiest of Friday the 13th. Really embrace that goddess energy, no matter who you are. And no matter how you identify that goddess energy is for every single one of us. So embrace it, let it just come in and make your world an even better place because you know what? You all deserve good. We all deserve good. We are bad witches, but we are good bad witches. (laughs) All right, I will talk to you all next week. I love you all so much. Be good, take care. Don't choke on your moon water. Until next week, blessed be my loves and goodbye.